Well, I found a limitation of my uh, my cave setup here in Amsterdam, and that is that is there's a there's a hot spell going on, which you know by Texas standards, not a big deal, but there's no air conditioning, and oh. so it's it's oh it's what we call it's what we call muggy. It's a little humid now. According to my Apple Watch, it's 79 degrees outside, 78 degrees. It just fell. That's Fahrenheit, and uh, the only true way to measure temperature. Uh, and you know, normally that kind of weather in Austin, it'd be like, oh, it's a great summer day. I'm going to go outside. I might even wear that, uh, that old puffy vest I've been saving up to wear. I I, I was looking at that temperature as when to stop wearing thermals. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, but, but because there's no air conditioning and it's so muggy, it's like that, uh, it's like that swampy feel is normally you would have air conditioned to like remove all of this moisture. And you would have a nice crisp feel, uh, a crisp feel of AC. And then, of course, I'm in my little cave here, and there is uh, there is absolutely no uh, air ventilation. So, is this? So, is there? Uh, educate me here. In Amsterdam, is there is air conditioner? Like, is it a place where no one has air conditioning, or it's it's very unusual to have it? Yeah, yeah. Only, only like the brand new buildings have. All right. uh, and then, what about like the dehumidifier or anything like that? Is is that also not uh, something that is widely? I don't think used? so. I don't think that's normal. I think there's just no like climate control, you know, outside of commercial settings. And, right. Like, well, you have heat, control. of course, right in the winter. I would oh say, yeah, right? yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So sorry, it's just sorry. it's I, just the <laughs> summer, right? Yeah. I don't I don't have heat. <laughs> well, I'm saying no, like hypothetical, Coach in Texas. If you could only pick one, heat or air conditioning, which would you pick? Ooh, in Texas? Yeah. Austin, well, Texas. I listen to right last now week's where episode, it is so well I know over the correct answer. What's that? That. The answer is air conditioning. Yeah, I think so. Right? I think if you had to have one, you'd just be like, you just be like, I'll just be cold for a couple of days, and you know, yeah, be fine. Uh, yeah. You can always layer layer your, your way up. You can always put thermals or a hoodie on, but you the you know, unless you're the the personal space guy in Rick and Morty, you can't peel your skin back to cool. I'm down. worried about Matt though. Every episode he adds like another layer. So I mean, at the rate <laughs> we go, I don't know if our like, is winter. Let's see, are we are we on yeah, the way my, back my to the picture. spring for you? Uh, yeah, uh, it's supposed to be the coldest day of the year this weekend, um, but uh, yeah, someday spring will be here. Right. I'm, I'm wearing my brand new uh, turtleneck thermals, oh, keeping me good. warm. When we get the live stream, oh, the people are going to love that. That's going to be our sponsor. We're going to get some thermals underwear sponsor, and Uniqlo. you're going to wear it, Matt. We're here to help you take on the world. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Have you ever bought... The that podcast underwear does that stuff actually work? <laughs> Me undies, which one is it? Which, yeah, there's, or, there's or several the silver one. I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm not, but I've heard their ads <laughs> you know, very you know, many times. Vaguely related to tech, are those are those companies like successful? Like blue blue Weldon, no blue L apron, and uh, they they've all like you know their public, names. Right? Yeah, That's success, right? Exposure, its own success. I think it's very popular. Direct to consumer brands. I think on podcast yeah. advertising, I think some have done very well. Now, Blue Apron, I think they're one of, they've experienced the, uh, I don't know, like all, I think they've finally figured out it's not that profitable to ship food. That's not like a great mm. all the time. Like you can't really make money on it. But I think the other things are like yeah. MeUndies, Harry's Razors. Remember Harry's? That was a huge podcast. Advertiser. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they got, got acquired for someone. lots of money. I'm, I've been a long yeah. time. Now, that one, I have been. I've been, a, I think I learned about it on the Political Gab Fest many years ago. I subscribed and I've probably been, I'm a two, three year SaaS customer. I'm just part of the recur, recurring revenue of Harry's. I'm just a, a mm, machine in that yeah. cog. Yeah, they the like the factory so much they bought it. Yep, they as, bought as it they and they custom make it in Germany. I wonder if any of this is true. I wonder if anyone's fact checked any of that, if it's actually even well, remotely <laughs> true. But now they're owned by like Unilever, right? Or- yeah, and now you can also buy the Harry's Razors and Target, which kind of makes me feel bad. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, I thought I was part of the club. Like this is a cool thing. Now yeah, you just get them at Target. You everybody. You were cool. Now now you're back at buying chick like me. I'm not going back <laughs> though. I'm a Harry's Razor person. I'm I'm staying with them. The, you, you know, as as I want to do. Let me go just one more layer deeper on this this inane rabbit hole. Now, what is? I'm going to do a poll, and then I'll I'll tell you what I think. When you see someone wearing North Face gear, what do you think? Mm, I think they have a lot of money. I think they they just have good money. Okay. And they like Am it's I a right? good brand. It's a good brand and it's expensive. So I just think it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I generally try to avoid 
things that are heavily branded mm. and North Face is always branded. So yeah. um, I don't have any in my uh, inventory. Even <laughs> And the brand I like better, Patagonia, is like, I don't buy their stuff either because it's all branded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even more expensive. I always so so North Face <laughs> is owned by uh, Vanity Fair, like the VF, like gigantic house that owns all these other things. I think they were purchased by them a while ago. But like I always like, think about that, like Vanity Fair owns like um, Lee Jeans. They own they own a bunch of like bigger most importantly, I believe they own Dickies. That's the that's yeah. the brand that I, I I most think of when I think of that. But please go on. Yeah, they're 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 one of these like Unilever companies that just owns all these brands. I think they own what was the uh, what was in the eighties the Mom Jeans jeans brand that was yes. really popular. No, there was Guess, but it was like um, it was named <laughs> after jeans. some era. Dolce and Gabbana. No, no. Anyways, I'll have to look this up and put it in the show notes. But it's named Fubu. after a, a lady. Uh, was her name? But. They own all these things, and I remember I noticed them first. Remember when the Bastrop Outlet Mall opened up, and the one of the anchor stores was the VF store, which just was like this. It was it was like the, you know the the an outlet mall as I remember it, where it was just like a bunch of stuff, right? And uh, I don't know, is it Elizabeth Arden? No, no, I got to remember what those jeans are. <laughs> you can read them all. Uh, they have Vans. They own Vans. Timberlake. Yeah, exactly. Or Timberland, not Vans. Timberlake. That's a rap. I think that's a music performer. Eastback, yeah. B- Bulwark, Dickies, Eagle Creek. They got them all, man. Yeah. I'm, te- I'm telling you, they got Timberland, all these things, right? Uh, they own a lot of, of, of different brands. Uh, anyways, yeah, people really like North Face over here in, uh, in Europe. They wear it all the time. It's, uh, it's, it's a big, uh, big to do with them. I don't know, whatever. Speaking of uh, oddities, uh, let's start with the best one. So Oracle's going to buy TikTok, right? Yes. <laughs> Has, I don't know. It seems I don't like know a fantastic yes. merger. No yes. Absolutely fantastic. Synergies. You know, from what I can tell, the analysis of this is that it's just crazy. And uh, I think I think, I think, think President Trump said it was great and Larry Ellison is awesome. Uh, because, and, then, and then some snarky reporter said, you know, he had donated some money to the Republican Party or something. But I, I just, it just like, you know, my only positive thought was that at some point, Microsoft like started doing Xbox stuff and, and it was just totally out of the area of the normal stuff and it seemed crazy. But now it, it, I assume it's, it's quite successful and yeah. no one really like uh, worries about it too much. But I don't know, it, it is, uh, it is uh, I think there are no synergies to be had. <laughs> no synergy. Come on, you're you're not you're not stretching it out far enough. I mean, um, yeah, Microsoft even seems weird. You know, just as weird as, as Oracle. You know, they already got out of the streaming business. Um, you know, they gave that to Facebook. Uh, you know, they I guess at least they have the social stuff. I don't know what Oracle would do with it other than. Do you really think though Microsoft seems because I think LinkedIn. Right, they have LinkedIn, they have GitHub. If we believe, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we can make the case, like you know, Kote is the the king of short form video here. Like, if we could make the case that TikTok will eventually become a little bit more mainstream, used by other people than teenagers. So I was like, I can kind of see it where you know maybe you know people make short videos about upcoming presentations or their products and things like that, sort of related mm. to LinkedIn, sort of related to. Uh, Xbox, they did. I, I agree with you, Matt. You know, hundred percent. They did completely fail in the streaming, the gaming stream, uh, streaming. But it's kind of slightly different. So that part, like in my mind, I can make the case that all right, yeah, it sort of yeah. makes sense. Uh, the Oracle thing. The only thing I read that substantiated was what I think Kote, you said was just you know, President uh, Trump has endorsed it. So <laughs> that seemed to be the only thing. Is like, well, if, I don't know if he's dictating, if he's kind of the deal man on this, which yeah. is kind of weird in itself, but yeah, I guess that would weird. be a big advantage, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the... Yeah. Uh, he is a master latest... of deals. Oh. <laughs> so I read. <laughs> so I read. Yeah, yeah. But I it mean, does the, seem the like the thing... worst corporate... I don't know. I just can't... Not, I shouldn't say worse. It seems like there could be no two corporate cultures that immediately jumped to mind more opposite than TikTok and Oracle. It does not seem, that's yeah. not a peanut butter and jelly uh, type of acquisition. I mean, I don't know anything about their corporate culture, but you know, they, they're coming from, uh, they've got a Microsoft background already. Like the ByteDance guy, uh, like their CEO did a stint at Microsoft in the U S for a while. 
So, you know, there is, he's a known quantity at least, um, in their management circles. Uh, Oracle though. Yeah. I political aspects are not a good way to spend money. Uh, well, it's a good way to make money, but not a good way for like, you know, tech. (laughs) Well, we talked about last week a little bit around like who could, I, I again endorse Twitter. I think Twitter is the company that could destroy TikTok in the most entertaining way. But let me go. Let's give me be more positive. It's like, is there any company that we believe that acquires TikTok and like makes it better? Like actually like helps the business blossom? Like, mm. well, you know, I don't know the, the money side of it. I think there's some way that money is made through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, just ads. Uh, they just have yeah. a bunch of, they've good. They have a nice, but that does have a nice yeah. ad product. Cause it's just kind of like, you know, a nice short video, like right in the middle of all these other short videos. So it's yeah. relatively painful yeah, well, to well, watch an ad. You know, I think, I think the follow up from your last thing, I mean, that Microsoft doesn't seem so crazy. Like a company like Microsoft's always trying to get like, you know, more into social network stuff. Right. And they've already got like, you know, I don't know. Microsoft it would, be a, would be better than Google. Yeah, it would be a little nutty, but it's not like so crazy. And then, you know, like just Google doesn't understand how to do any of that. So yeah, that would be right. a bad idea. And I mean, uh, there's Snapchat. Facebook. That would work. Well, well they can't Facebook's do it, right? Fine. They already copied it. Yeah, like... Snapchat can't afford anything, but oh, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. more viable. I mean, I videos. guess, I guess, I guess, in Google, you would, could put it in the YouTube unit, and you would basically be like, "All right, you know, we uh, we want people to like be doing this in the YouTube world, so we want to just kind of capture this." But uh, right, yeah, it one? is like throw a different out one out. What about Disney? What about Disney gets involved here, buys sure. it, and then they can put the. Um, just the nice, they can, you know, if you will, put a nice Disney brand around it. Maybe take the edge off a little bit of oh, um, it, of all totally the different paramount. videos. Maybe make it mainstream a little bit more. Or, like, they could create another brand. Disney has a bunch of brands like Pixar and Marvel and all those other things. It's like, and they're also really good at, you know, they have all the people that are really good at making content. So so maybe mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. it belongs, like, to, to something like that. Like a, stu- like a go the other way instead of uh, a tech company acquiring it, like a, a media sure. company acquiring it. Yeah, though that was my well, next my my next uh, idea was like some sort of uh, some company that owns a lot of music, right? Because there's all these people. Like I don't know how all the stuff they do is is legal. Maybe they get some weird music here and there, but the, basically it's just like a whole different like yeah. uh, it's a channel of people like dancing and lip syncing, right? So you could go to I don't know what music is, is Sony BMG but, something, and like you know they would basically just be like you can use our music and we'll use it as a promotional vehicle and and. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's Verizon, some synergies there. Verizon probably owns some music. Verizon. <laughs> but the point is, like, we wouldn't be talking about about an acquisition for them unless, you know, the Trump administration had intervened. You know, yeah. like there yeah. there hadn't been any sort of like, oh, you know, TikTok's on the ropes and, you know, or, you know, hey, they're, they're this, you know, white hot thing and everyone's, you know, there's a massive bidding war. It's like Trump said, you know, we got to sell them. Or you know, get out of the country, uh, sell yourself, and give us a cut, which is highly unusual. Um, and then deal making, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah All right, what about this though? Because yeah. I think Matt, you're making the argument it should just be standalone. It's artificial. What's going on? Well, yeah, so it's what if totally we, artificial. But what if we did this? Okay, so what if we came out and we did? Um, uh, what if we went to? I think Michael Eisner isn't he the one running? And Meg Whitman, they're running Quibi. If we just said this is the biggest <laughs> massive pivot of all time, it's like okay. Short form content is good. Turns out people don't want what you have, but you have access to all the money people. So just go back to the money people and raise. No. I mean, it's a lot of money, right? Start but, putting Quibi buys TikTok and puts their videos into TikTok. That's what I'm thinking, right? That's what. You, that's how Michael Eisner is like. I'm going to make this successful by sheer will. We're going to go spend out. I don't know how much money it be, but you get everybody I, I, together. You get all the Hollywood the people. Sheer will the leverage buyout people. Everyone together. You get up. Get the. I don't know. Get the fifty billion together, and then you say, "All right, we're going to do it," and that will be the big pivot of Quibi. And then he can declare success. He's like, "See, I was right all along. I just, you know." I just had a slight change of the content uh, plant, and it would be great. He'd be a huge victory. He could claim victory, and TikTok could be independent, and it could go on to do whatever it's going to do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you do the <laughs> old reverse merger for that plan. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll tear I, that I think, point I think it's off. Also, I, I mean, I mean, and then and then I haven't looked. I don't check in on this stuff at all. But I guess Snapchat is still a thing. People still apparently use that they're a lot. making money. Yeah, yeah. They make I, a lot of money. I thought they yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, they're doing yeah. well. I think they're even more than Twitter these days. They've uh, ex- eclipsed the Twitter yeah. uh, market cap. Mm-hmm. So quietly, I think I saw they were valued at like $32 billion yeah, or something. Quietly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you would have like Comcast and other, you know, like uh, video TV aggregators. Aggregators? <laughs> Anyways, that I don't know. It seems like a like a that's a business totally outside of the realm of anything I understand, which is why it makes total sense that Oracle <laughs> would acquire them. <laughs> no, we 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 can't. That's the thing. We just can't convince ourselves to do anything with that, right? Yeah, no. yeah. You know, I was using TikTok for a while to post little videos, and they got a surprising amount of views. But I just felt like I don't think anyone here is buying enterprise software, and so. It, it, <laughs> Yeah, you're like in that one one feed with like you and NPR on TikTok. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so we've been using we've been using Twitch here at the at the at the VMware Tanzu. The Red Hat people use it. IBM people use it. Even even this week in tech, remember that uh, that show? And so yeah. I subscribed to all of those. And thus far, even this week in tech, I never really exceed see it exceed like sixty, maybe a hundred viewers at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. When you go look at the uh, the Red Hat, IBM and, and VMware Tanzu thing, like it doesn't really get that high. We have 10 currently in our stream, which is for us. Wonderful. Hi, everybody. <laughs> All right, but <laughs> here, here's my take. Coach. This, this is what I yeah. believe the content strategy is like. Well, although we have evidence to the contrary, we're eventually going to get set up. It's like, hey, eventually we can just live stream it because it's just as if we're going to record the video anyway. Like, why not? Just we'll just live stream mm-hmm. it. So it's sort of just a little bonus of. Someone wants to get in, wants to chat with us, great. But then I think the the real play then is you take the video and you put it on YouTube. Because YouTube, love it or hate it, that's where all the views are. That's where people are yeah, actually yeah. watching. Because I know some you know, podcasters that just record themselves doing the podcast. That seems to be where they get fairly significant views. Right, right. So so that that raises the next thing I was going to say is like, so in, in, you know, combining together the Venn diagram of TikTok and enterprise software, Right. Like it seems like YouTube is still the best destination for this stuff and you can live stream to YouTube. So I'm not quite getting what the point of doing all this Twitch stuff is now over the next several months. I'm going to do a lot of stuff on it because like, I don't know, OKRs and KPIs and whatever, like that's what we're doing. So it's fine. I'll I'm I'll try anything out. I don't think there's anything officially in there. It's just like we'll try this stuff out. But like it does seem like I don't quite get like. I don't know. I haven't seen that it's a good place for enterprise software stuff versus as you were just describing, because we upload it directly to YouTube, which is then like, so why don't we just stream directly to YouTube or or even more uh, to your point? You know, you can use a service like Restream, not a sponsor, and you can basically just be like, I don't know, poop this everywhere. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. and, ju- and just do it all at once, which seems like it just. I I yeah I don't know it's it seems weird it seems know, like you're like, trying to build you know, up Brian a huge one of our longtime listeners uh, you know he's uh he's turned us he in fact a lot of times in the Slack channel right he'll be posting uh, there's various uh you know um, music like you know mostly you know tech kind of techno music and mm-hmm. things like that being done on on Twitch and it's kind of interesting to like just like watch that like it's sort of like a live concert kind of feel so so maybe it is just kind of the medium it seems like live gaming obviously that's Twitch's bread and butter. I think you're seeing more concerts live on Twitch than you maybe would see. I don't know if you see more, um, but then you're right. I do think you know it does seem like YouTube is the broadest destination. It's just it has everything. I mean, I, I you know love it or hate it, but I feel like YouTube the how to uh, how to videos on YouTube are just the best content of all time. Like anytime I have to do anything in my house and do some type of repair, it's like how do you do X Y Z? There is a video. It is perfect. And it explains yeah. everything. That 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 is one thing I personally just love about YouTube. Much more than even just watching the other type of content is like it has been fantastic for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, we do get feedback. Like uh, someone has told us it was Gloria Vanderbilt. That <laughs> that is the uh, the 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 genes I was thinking about, and I do. And also, it was mentioned. I remember looking this up and being somewhat astounded. Is uh, she is Anderson Cooper's mom? The uh, the CNN nice. broadcaster. So there's uh, you're you're never too far away from uh, mom jeans. However, your your connections are. You know those those seem to. I'm I am no follower of fashion, but those seem to be back in style over here. You see a lot of very high waisted uh, mom jeans running around with people inside of them. Uh, you know a lot more than I used to. Wait, no slave of fashion. Is that an RTJ T-shirt? 
Oh yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> is that nice. fashionable though? It <laughs> I don't is really to me. Know. Uh, you know, Matt <laughs> Ray, I still haven't girl. I still haven't listened to that new album yet. I started listening to KUTX, oh, so and and they they were playing some song. I I don't know which one. It's and uh, and it sounded good, but I I don't know. I've just been I don't know how to explain it, but I've been waiting for the right time when I have just like some time to listen to it. I need mm-hmm. to like you know you got to like back into it. You don't want to just listen to a slice here and there. And at the same time being like, oh, I got to go file my expenses now. Like, I just need some uh, need some dedicated time to uh, to think uh, about it. Maybe I should just not be so prissy and just uh, go listen into it. I tend to do uh, albums while I run. So, yes, yeah, that's, that's a good, which means my podcast listening has dropped, but yeah. probably better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably better. Healthier, at least. Um, yeah. Well, also speaking of uh, conglomerations and synergies, oh, yeah. there's a, there's another. Uh, I guess it's a rumor, right? Uh, you know, because people uh, reporting on this. You know, one of my, as I'm always saying, my favorite M and A rumor lines ever. Like, uh, asked to remain confidential because the news was not public. As if, as if I love it. Like a copy editor was going to, and 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 someone, someone just wrote, asked to remain confidential, and the copy editor writes this little note. But why? as as if the reportage was not uh complete enough anyhow there was some rumors that uh, amazon was uh looking at rack space to buy or maybe get a minority stake or do something or another was the but why editorial on the (laughs) why they would do that or why you need to be anonymous why why they needed to be uh confidential but some sort of some sort of uh tie-up involving right. equity between the two companies and uh yeah. you know i think i think in the further coverage there was that the the ipo that rackspace had was down more than they would wanted which was any i guess and uh so so maybe that didn't work out so and i was reading some coverage and it's just like typical of like my my pet peeve of tech coverage where they're comparing them to these other companies that in no way do anything like rackspace and just the generic financial analyst is like oh this other company came out and it performed much better than Rackspace, but the tolerance for tech IPOs has run out. And it's like, well, it'd be like if TikTok came out and then Rackspace came out and Rackspace didn't do well. And like, I guess tech companies, no one wants to invest in them anymore. It's a completely different business. <laughs> I like your analyst voice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they all sound like. But, but you know, uh, what, what, what do you all think of that? Would that make sense to combine the two together? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I think the the thing that would make I could see Amazon if they chose to buying Rackspace and saying that would be a way for them to bolster their you know managed services business, help with migrations and things like that. So I could see that where they just decide they want the talent, they want this business. They, there's a lot of big customer base they want to move over. That that part I, I could see that sort of buying market share would make sense, but. It would be weird just because of Rackspace, the way they're positioned, and you know, and I'm really kind of all the managed services companies involved, right? You know, the one I work for others, right? I mean, their position is to help you really with all all of your technology, right? That would be all your cloud vendoring, vendor relationships, right. maybe your VMware, maybe you know your Tanzu, uh, you know Red Hat. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's the idea is that hey, you know that these companies provide some neutrality to help you across lots of different things, and you you've decided potentially to partner up with one because you know you're going to use multiple technology platforms and stacks. So it would just be kind of a difficult position if every if this becomes a big deal and every, you know, meeting the Rackspace salespeople have to say, well, I mean, aren't you really tied up with just AWS? Now that may be good. I mean, that's still a great business, mm. but it would just be kind of awkward to say, you know, you sort of kind of discouraging customers with other technology choices to to necessarily work with you so i don't i don't know that's the part that's kind of odd like why that might like why a minority investment helps rackspace i'm not totally sure yeah i mean at one point rackspace had more um vmware certified engineers than any anyone in the world including vmware and maybe there's some sort of play there but like today's rackspace is very different from the rackspace of even you know five years ago uh, from everything I've heard, you know, it's, a, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of griping from X-Rackers and uh, most of them are saying like, you know, the company that's there today is just, you know, it doesn't look anything like it. So, you know, what, what is Amazon getting if they buy it? Right. I mean, I, I, 
you know, they're going to spend a premium to buy how many people? And, you know, is there that much business that it's worth it to Amazon? You know, mm. or could they take, you know, $5 billion and put it into, um, you know, <laughs> hiring? <laughs> maybe they the could buy effect. TikTok. <laughs> yes, maybe they could buy TikTok, but, yeah. you know, expand their Chinese footprint. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I don't. I don't see a need for it. I mean, Amazon doesn't really need it. It kind of distracts from some of the other stuff they do. And why Rackspace? Why not, you know, a private, you know, any number of, of private uh, hosting company or not hosting companies, but, uh, you know, um, you know uh, managed service uh, providers. Yeah. Managed services companies. I mean, there, you can't throw a rock without hitting one. And, you know, if, why start with Rackspace? If, if this was something that was likely, when they just been gobbling them up like, uh, you know, as, as if they were, you know, Anderson Cooper or not, sorry, not Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson Consulting. Uh, Gloria Vanderbilt. Anderson Gloria. Consulting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, you see there's been this, this, at least, at least here in Australia, um, there's been a big buy up of all the managed services companies, you know, until, until COVID, like every you know two or three weeks, some little company was getting gobbled up by one of the big consulting companies. Cause there's a ton of money in that business. If if Amazon gets into that business, it's now they're competing with their suppliers. Now now let what, me let me do a little channel check here, which is totally not what it is. I just like to use that phrase every now and then. Now Brandon, you do you work in that this area between the clouds and the migrating and the developers, all this stuff. You know, you had a great interview with uh, Richard Schroeder, my former second line manager and uh, podcast co-host. Right, he's in the Google Anthos world. Yeah, yep. I think. I think, you know, since about a year and a half ago when we first heard this Anthos thing, and as usual, we were just like, I don't know what this is. And then we moved on to some other inane topic. Mm-hmm. I get the goal of it. What's going on? I don't, I don't know anything technologically anymore. But so what is, what is the reality of everyone just migrating VMs to the public cloud? Is that like, is that all it is nowadays? We're all, it's all done? No, it's definitely not all done. So I would say the... A um, couple of things here. One is, you know, all of the major cloud vendors, AWS, Azure, GCP, that's, those are the three I'm really going to talk about. I know there are others, but, you know, it is what it is. But all of them are, you know, working towards trying to help customers migrate to the cloud. And that's something I spend a lot of time talking to clients with. And that's obviously what, you know, Richard, you're talking about, um, you know, it's one of the things that he's doing there, right? So uh-huh. I think, you know, today, I think the vast majority, and this is always like, everyone will quote the stat, right? Everyone will say something like only 20% of the workloads today are in the cloud, the remaining 80% are up for grabs. So everybody is, you know, competing over that. Now, you know, there was a little bit of discussion, I think, in fact, between Richard and uh, Corey this week about this idea of, you know, uh, cloud of people moving to the cloud and moving back, right? Repatriation, I think is what they're calling it. Oh, so there yeah. was like a lot of back and forth around that. And so, um, you know, basically people saying, does it happen? Does it not happen? And that kind of thing. So what I think, and this kind of touches a little bit on in your world, Cote, right? Is like, let's just take VMware. It's a good example is like VMware has partnerships pretty much with all the major cloud vendors and they have some uh, nice technology. I think it's called VMware HCX. You know, it's kind of like vMotion. You can basically, you know, vMotion your your VMs, you know, between your private cloud, in this case, VMware installation, and then move it out to your favorite public cloud providers. And I do think, you know, larger clients that have large VMware, um, and again, like a lot of times people want to talk about VMs, but I really think it's mostly just talking about VMware, right? That's like 90, mm. I feel like that's like 95% of the market right, share. Right, there's not a so, lot of Zen being moved around. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit. You'll like run that. into it in Germany, but that's about it, right? So so really, you do have these, these companies that have large uh, installations of infra- or uh, cost of infrastructure already. They're running very large mm-hmm. VMware mm-hmm. installations. They are talking about moving many of those VMs to the cloud, but they also aren't going to leave it behind. They still have a lot of VMware admins, and for better or for worse, lots of people have different opinions about it. But you know, I think there's still a very strong culture to keep a lot of the VMware stuff on premise, or at least have the option to move it back. So I, I don't think. That group, that that thing, like there's this massive push, like every VM in the next three years is going to be on the cloud. I think you're still going to have like a very strong um, sense of like a VMware still on premise. But of course, you're going to have a lot of workloads will start moving 
uh, mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you start to get into the containerization world, right, that where that world's a little bit more up for get, grabs, right, Cote? You talk a lot about that as well. But that's sort of where a more natural when you're starting out and you're building containers. Maybe you don't have a huge infrastructure around that today. So you're going to maybe have a, a more greenfield approach to that. So that's where I think people are definitely you know thinking cloud first but of course that's very new and that's only a fraction of the workloads that really people are paying for today so long right, answer right, to your right. question but i think there clearly is going to be people moving to the cloud and we spend a lot of time talking about that but there's going to be a lot of on-premise stuff for a while is is my right, thought. right. so so you, you got this Forever. gigantic this gigantic <laughs> slow moving uh existing software mm-hmm. right running on premise and then you have you have newer and brand new uh, applications being written that could run on premise or could run in public cloud. The cloud native applications right. uh, going on there, and like so, so and and then and then it seems like I don't know what you call these things platforms, but there's the category of stuff like Anthos and you know the the, the Tanzu stack and then whatever else is that you know everyone and the the Red Hat one, like that are sort of like straddling maybe some some percentage of the existing like all the workloads and then and then like the brand new workloads and those seem like the sweet level like solutions for going after what we were just describing here yeah, right like this absolutely. is this is the thing now there's a whole other area that's sort of just like rando vms that i don't really give a shit about and i just want to move them mm-hmm. and like I just want them to keep operating the way that they're operating now. And like, yes. it's sort of like, you know, every time I think, do they say this in Australia? Do they use this phrase? Every time you move house, isn't that the British way of saying it? <laughs> like, you know, every time you move, there's just like, there's like 10, you know, there's like 10 plus five more boxes of mm-hmm. just like shit that you just move. And like, you, you know, like, I don't know why <laughs> I have this. I never use it. I've just accumulated yeah. this stuff. And then it ends up in your attic. And when you die, your kids have to figure out what the fuck well, to do with it. And or so in like, our case, it's in storage back in America, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Did you bring your plus five? Let me interject here because I think this is a great metaphor and I agree with it, right? So there's a, the boxes that you do throw out. But then there's the boxes you just keep moving as you guys were talking about it. And so I do deal with a lot of clients on this. And it's like when you find these EVMs that are very old, right, that potentially have op- old operating systems, like Matt and I had a long episode, I think, about Windows 2008. You know, we had that whole conversation, and yeah, right. there's applications out there. Let me tell you, if there's a VM that's really old that's running some outdated operating system, there's a reason, okay? When you get into it, there's a reason the thing hasn't been moved, hasn't been upgraded, and, and it's really difficult. So this is like the thorniest side, I think, of all of this cloud talk. It's like you go into any large enterprise, they're going to have these these things. And they know the operating systems are outdated. They know it's not it's old. But they also know there's usually something like the application source code that was written doesn't even exist anymore. They can't even find it. The application provides some value to some small group of customers. It's not really something they can jump in and have developers rewrite. They can't use the strangler pattern. They don't, nobody knows, right? So it's like, and every customer has kind of this group. And it's like, it's, you know, people tend to want to just kind of like discourage it or like, oh, we'll just lift and shift. It's like, no, you can't just put a 2008 VM in AWS, right? No one's going to give you support, right? It's just going to be a disaster. Microsoft will give you support. Right, Microsoft will give you three years of additional support um, if you move it into Azure, right? But if you don't, they're going to charge you a pretty uh, heavy premium. But like, but there's something has gone, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not that people don't know this, right? It's not like the customers are quote unquote stupid, right? They don't want to upgrade it. It's that, they're in a very difficult position. And so I don't know what percentage of the workloads are out there, but there's a bunch of them and a bunch of clients have it. So this kind of back to, you know, back to just VMware. It's, this is why VMware on-premise, just something that's working and, you know, well, kind of like your closet. So it is, it's your storage. It's NatRay's storage in America of like, I couldn't move it. I can't throw it out, but I need to have it. So that's Matt, Matt Ray's uh, hybrid cloud. <laughs> back to the United States is this thing. Well, and, and, and that analogy is perfect because it's sitting in a public storage unit and periodically mm. every nine months, they're like, we're going to charge you 10 bucks more a month. And you're like, fuck, there's nothing I can do, right? You've got me over this barrel and what am I going to do? Go yep. back to America Absolutely. and empty that out? I mean, we, oh, wow, this analogy works so well because uh, about two years ago, I did go back. And I dropped from a 10 by 20 storage unit to a 10 by 10. So I, I threw out mm-hmm. some of the stuff, right? right? We're like, 
you know, these you right sized the VM, Matt. That's what you did. Right? You right sized the yeah, VM. I right sized my, my, my hosting platform. But uh-huh. now I, I sit there and I think, oh, man, I, I'm paying for that thing every month. And, and, you know, and that bill shows up and it's like, you know, 200, 200 bucks every single month for, for, you know, a bunch of stuff sitting in the dark in Texas and that I don't touch. Um, but, but like I had this conversation yesterday with a customer and they are running, uh, 80, 80, we figured that 87% of their infrastructure is running on unsupported software and, you know, unsupported by the vendors. Uh, we're one of those vendors, but also, you know, Microsoft and, and other folks. And so we, we went through this long architecture session about the strangler pattern where, you know, Hey, what can we move to the new supported stuff without rewriting it? And everyone got all excited about that. And then, you know, as we started digging into it, we're like, even if we strangle this stuff, the things that we leave behind will never get touched. And so we actually mm-hmm. had to re, re, you know, architect the whole solution to how do we pick up even that old stuff that won't be rewritten? How do we get it to at least one supported vendor's platform? And it's going to cost more, but isn't that why you pay insurance on your storage unit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're reminding me I need to make sure that my uh, you know, my storage unit stuff gets paid because you know, we paid it for 2 years and now I'm saying here oh, you're pre-paid. longer. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. And and I I'm Mine's pretty month. sure I'm pretty sure I yeah. set up the auto payment thing. But uh, I I should go check on that. But I think a lot of sure. this code for you. I mean, you know, I've I've gotten more into the Tanzu stuff, not by far not an expert, a lot of components, but I know more than I once did. And uh you know, I think this is why this is why the the Tanzu uh, value proposition is pretty strong, right? To somebody that says, "Listen, we'll you know we will provide you the storage closet for all the old VMs that you can't get rid of, <laughs> and we're also going to give you the new stuff, right? We're going to give you the ability yeah. to to containerize applications and be part of the future, and like why not stay with us, right? I mean, I think that's always the pitch, like why not stay with us, yeah. and and we'll also make it pretty easy if you want to run um, your VMware in AWS and and um, some of the other clouds will make that pretty easy for you too. So that's a real, especially for a culture, uh, any client or any customer that has a strong preference for VMware, it's pretty enticing, right? I think that's why yeah. um, when I hear the VMware channel, you know, guy sometimes talking trash, right? I think that's where he's coming from is like, yeah, I've got a big customer base and they want to stay with me and they like it. So I can, I can see why there's optimism, you know, in the VMware you well, know, customer base. And, that, and they, they and with those sorts of customers, they, they, VMware has a, a very strong reputation for supporting old stuff, right? <laughs> for good or bad, right? Um, where, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out what is supported because there's so much documentation for the old stuff. Um, but, you know, for the customers who aren't moving, that's, that's a feature, not a bug. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a, a good article um, from uh, Steve Yegi who used to, uh, used to work at Google. And Amazon, I think Amazon, and at Grab until recently, um, called uh, "Dear Google Cloud, Your Deprecation Policy is Killing Me." And you know, now he's a customer of Google, and you know, their their uh, end of life notifications are rather short. You know, they're like, "Oh yeah, this API is going away in you know three months or whatever. Deal with it." And you know, he kind of raised the point, like, "I don't know if Amazon's ever done that, or you know, if they have, they've given you you know, years." Of, of of notice and when you get into the enterprise they don't like changing and you know even even though the public cloud and cloud native are a thing you know if you can give them that stable <laughs> public storage api uh you know that's going to make you feel more comfortable and after i read that article i was kind of like i will never recommend gcp to a customer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think, I think, you know, to 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 try to close out a little bit. Your, I think, I think your summary of the VMware proposition is pretty accurate. Like another way of putting it is just like, uh, well, what if all the stuff you used had all the new great features that you wanted instead of you thinking it was some old thing you have to move away from? Like you just right. evolve the software, which you know that that would be a novel idea in enterprise software. Well, and, and it gives you time to make that transition right you don't have if a customer doesn't have to change anything they'll keep paying that public storage bill right yeah, yeah. you know and, it's like and, i'm feeling the pain and they they can raise the price on me but i don't feel the pain enough to go back to america yeah <laughs> and, and, then, and then, yeah just to get your stuff and and then the so so then so then in my in my shitty 
Socratic way, like the thing I'm getting at that 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 rack space makes me think of, or a managed service provider makes me think of, is like you know often in our cloud native world we think of like legacy applications and new applications, and so we've got those two categories, just like custom written applications people have, and you know like this one's like a three tier application, and this one is like I don't know serverless or whatever. Uh, but there's this whole other like to this conversation dark amount of compute, which is just like VMs, just stuff, and yeah, like stuff. that that like that's always on the periphery of any sort of uh, let's call it a multi cloud manager, whatever all these things are, kind of like this discussion. And I always get the sense that like not always, but frequently I get the sense that when you're when I'm talking with I should say when we are talking, as in us on the vendor side in the industry, when we're talking with enterprise staff, you know, your CIOs and managers and other randos who show up at your meetings, like we're talking about writing applications and cool whiz-bangy omni-channel TikToks or whatever. But then maybe what they're thinking about is like all of those VMs that they have to manage. And there's frequently like this misalignment of like writing software is cool, but also I got all this other shit and can like, I run that in the cloud. Does, does it do that? And like, it's, I don't, I don't always feel like, well, I should, I shouldn't generalize that much. I don't really know what the discussion of that storage stuff is like what's going on in that area. Like if, if GCP and Azure and Amazon people show up and they're like, we can take care of your, your crazy VMs. Right. Yeah, Whereas no, I feel do. like, absolutely. And I, that's where the managed I, services teams and then, right, that's, right, yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah. they want to partner and, up and have someone help do some of that heavy lifting for them. Right. And, and so in that area, right. Like adding in like rack space stuff who like would do things like that, like that, that's nice. But then to the point y'all are saying earlier, it's just sort of like, yeah, hey, you just do that on your own or partner with them. There's really no need to uh, acquire all of this stuff. But exactly. I mean, right, you know, Amazon can be, you know, the insurance provider to the public storage. You know, those people, they have no downside. <laughs> right. And I do think to your other point, yeah. Kate, I mean, I think when you're sitting with like a CIO executive, I mean, you're basically going to have three conversations with them, right? You're going to talk to them about how can we migrate what you currently have minimal changes, right? Cause you're happy with it. It's in a good current state. Then you're going to have the app modernization. It's like, well, Got some old apps. We can help you build containers with them, help you modernize them, get them on the latest operating systems, replatform them. And then I think the part that you probably spend a lot of time is like, and then we can help you build new applications, right? Completely new mm -hmm. applications. We can use the latest, greatest development methodologies, latest technologies. And I think that's what most IT, senior IT executives, that's what kind of how they look at their the lens of their IT estate. It's like, okay, we're... Where do I have to spend money this year? Like what's out of date? Like what's like literally going to be not supported? I have got to spend money. Where does the business want me to build something new? And then they have all the stuff in the middle. It's like, do I need to migrate it? Do I need to modernize it? Can I leave it where it is? You know, but I got to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there needs to be, you know, like everyone uses the three horizon model, but that's more about like, like innovation that you're doing versus just like dealing with all your shit. <laughs> <laughs> there, there needs to be some like instead of it looking out be like the concurrent like uh three pools of spend and attention i don't know i should i'll probably also just know more about that topic rather than just like the wacky fun like new software stuff that i do or not maybe i don't give a fuck <laughs> there's a there's a lot of money in storage yeah storage <laughs> and security i was i was sure you're gonna say the third thing is security just like you always got to talk about security well you do but yeah, it's usually yeah, yeah. they the CSO well, is really relegated to the corner not not asked yeah, he's not asked yeah. any questions until there's an uh, a, a breach and then he's brought into yeah. the room and yelled at totally yep. yeah i mean did i mean you, I, 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 love, I love you know obviously it's not responsible but i love it when anyone asks like a vendor about security stuff like the like the vendor's ever gonna say no like it's just like <laughs> Can you tell me about security? Yes, we have all of it. Next question. Like, <laughs> it's just it's true. Uh, anyhow, well, uh, you know, we have we have been mentioning that the uh, the big old KubeCon is going on. It's uh, it's it's virtual. I think I think we'll have to. Uh, uh, I'm speaking for myself here, but I think we'll have to wait for uh, some some like uh, I think it's over now. Uh, it was just today and yesterday. Maybe it's tomorrow. What do I know? Uh, but. You know, we'll have to see what some write-ups of it are, maybe cover it next week. But, man, I was looking through the schedule. There's a lot of stuff uh, to go look up. That should be fun. There was a big survey. There's millions of people using all of this cloud-native stuff. I have not <laughs> dipped into looking at that survey either. Million seems like a lot, but maybe it's not. 
and uh, it would be fun to go go look at that. I think it's it, it looked like there was a survey based of like I don't know less than twenty thousand, so there must be some projections, uh, which which is fine. <laughs> it's no problem. It'll be fun to look at that survey. Um, now, before we get to the uh, software defined talk, uh, you know moment of bureaucracy. I just wanted to mention one very important thing for those of our listeners who enjoy the frequent travel programs. I uh, Every now and then I go look at my junk email. I get it filtered somewhere. And there was a little email from American Airlines. And they said, there's all sorts of things, right? They, of course, they're extending your status. You got this, that, and the other, whatever, a bunch of junk. But there was one thing that's easy to miss. And that is, if you have the credit cards, uh, the money that you spend between now and December 31st, that is through the end of the year, uh, will count towards your million mile qualification. Now, I think back in maybe 2009, before before 2009, that was always the case. The money you spent on your credit cards, every dollar is counted as one million mile credit. But then they shut that down. Right. Uh, but now it's back. So what this means is that if, so like I'm lifetime gold, right? And I have like 1,560,000 miles or something. Right. So you, it just it'll be a lot easier to get towards that platinum level. Now, there's no lifetime executive platinum, but I figure if you get ex, if you get lifetime platinum, you're set. Right. Like you don't have to stress out about you're things. assuming you're going to fly somewhere again. I'm you know, I'm <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, it, it is it is something in particular to look at that now you can uh, accumulate those things on. Your, yeah, because uh, I, I got the you know, I got the renewal fee for my chase sapphire travel card you know and it's a lot you know it was 450 a year and you know when i was traveling you know twice a month or whatever that was fine because i was you know spending a ton of money and racking up the points and this year i was kind of like "Ooh, i'm not going anywhere do i do i want to renew and i did well i mean they auto renewed me so i guess i had to but (laughs) Yeah, yeah um I, yeah, I, I forgot to call them the first year I was here. I called them up and I was like, I don't need this card anymore because I live in Amsterdam and I fly KLM. And they were like, oh, oh, well, how about we waive it for a year? And I should have called. I don't know. I don't know. What a what a what a what a privileged money bag situation to be in. Like, oh, I don't want to talk to someone. Here's some money. But, <laughs> now I just sit in my my house. Freezing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. All right. Well, uh, in, any any uh, feedback? Or sticker news, Brandon? Yeah, just uh, just a quick little quick news here. I sent some stickers to, uh, I think it's Porco in Canada. So thanks a lot for him listening. And uh, if you would like a sticker, you can uh, just send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Yes. I was just, I got, I got one of those electric bock feats, like electric bikes with a big bucket. I need to put a sticker on there. So I can uh, identify which one is mine. Boy, I tell you what, if you got a if you got a big uh, fancy multi thousand euro electric bike that has a lightweight uh, kind of durable styrofoam bucket around it, the cats are going to find themselves a new scratching post. <laughs> that's 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 what happens with that. And and uh, boy, the cats they love it. They it's so comfortable for them. I'm I'm glad for them. Well, uh, this week, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend? Uh, so. Um, uh, obviously on the, the nerdy side, which is you know, where I guess where I live. Um, I, I decided I was going to install Arch Linux on a 2015 MacBook Air, and uh, <clears throat> I didn't have any experience Really with not Linux. traveling that much nowadays. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. And, yeah, I might have even worked on it on Saturday. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not, not a lot of travel. Um, I had some free time and decided uh, to – uh, to learn Arch Linux, and it was uh, kind of fun. Um, I dove into, I guess, what I've now learned is the deep end of the pool. Um, Mac hardware is uh, surprisingly hard to get working under Linux, uh, but uh, look for a blog post at some point. Um, uh, it's I'm I'm learning a lot. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> now, now, what what is, is what what is Arch Arch Linux? So, so Arch Linux is a uh, a rolling release that is source based. Um, so, so you have to like build it all on your own. Yeah, I mean stuff is uh, well maintained, but yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of you know um, manual 
processes and you know the some stuff is is pretty cleaned up but you know yesterday i learned how dns works in linux <laughs> right, right, right. which I, I didn't know maybe i'm glad i know now um you know it it, it uh i keep running into things like that uh I, i've learned a lot about power management and efi and you know uh they've got great wikis and documentation and you know everyone's always been ready to help me from the arch community so it's it's uh it's a it's it's a good linux distro for learning and nice. um yeah you know uh learning's good <laughs> when, when, one day you're gonna have to get into like you know custom uh cloud server building that ray i think that's what you're calling it. You're, you're you're gonna be like like so many of those other like uh like like famous IT people from the the 2000s where they they just sort of like disappear in into the big cloud providers and they're just like I don't know I just figured out how to build a 10,000 array of things that like uh, yeah well that that's that's yeah that's kind of where dance people I, dancing I, yeah I, I I already kind of exist in that territory for some use cases so yeah um, you just you just yeah. show up and talk about like JSON and XML and like uh, you know. MIPS or, or something or exotic ways to do things. Yeah, it's like yes, oh, I, I, yes. Have you thought about running this on uh, ARM? And they're like, no. <laughs> but yes, let me that, send you that a memo. My lot in life. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? Uh, this week, I want to recommend an episode of Radio Lab. Radio Labs always good, good, um, good uh, producer of podcasts. But this one is called uh, the Wooby Effect, and it is all about um, they can kind of dive deep into this. Um, explanation of how to enter Chinese characters on, uh, I guess it's standard Roman keyboard. And so it sounds pretty boring. I think maybe if you just hear that description, but it was fascinating. So I guess evidently long story short is there are a lot of competing ways to enter Chinese, uh, characters, uh, using a standard Roman characters that we're familiar with. And Wubi is, is one of them. And, um, it's sort of like, and crazy to just, and then I watched some videos afterwards about how um, you kind of think of like syntax and autocomplete, syntax highlighting and autocomplete, like on steroids, mm. the way that people input these Chinese characters. And then I guess there's all these competing standards, and, and it gets into like how that can be used to, I guess, enforce how things are, are, are basically spoken. I guess the, the controversy is around Wubi is all about just using the shapes and understanding the characters and entering them very quickly. And the competing ways are about using the phonetics. And uh, so it was really just fascinating to like hear about it. I'd never thought about any of this, um, but like it does make a big difference, I guess, about like how you can do it. And then I also learned about this, this phenomenon called the QWERTY effect about where letters are on the keyboard. I guess there's some research that tends to show that like uh, where the letters are, we tend to favor, um, I guess, letter, words that have more letters, I think on the left-hand side of your keyboard. So that was in itself kind of fascinating too. It's just like, oh, it's sort of, arbitrary how the keyboard got laid out uh depending on who you talk to but then now it's maybe having an effect on like how you name things and things like that so mm. just kind of like a, i don't know just an interesting whole thing was interesting start to finish and have a whole new appreciation for like how uh syntax uh, i guess asian characters in general but chinese in the specific like how they get entered it's just kind of fascinating to watch it so check it out if you're interested in all that kind of stuff yeah yeah i've never wondered about that but that is curious <laughs> Huh. Yeah. You know, I wonder. I wonder if in the linguistics field, I have no position on this. But if there's debates about the um, the uh, is efficacy the right word about, about the the goodness of various uh, like languages are like you know you know someone saying like this is a more efficient language or this this way of doing things is you know better than are. the other. And, <laughs> you know there are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I typing mean, wise, come up with the criteria. They did, all, um, which would be difficult. In the thing, they talk about typing speed that very proficient i guess someone at wooby is like i think it's like 240 characters a minute so it's even faster Whoa. than you can get on like what we think of it and then i thought the other thing i never thought about is a symbol link symbol based language does not imply pronunciation right so there are mm, many right, right, dialects right. of chinese spoken but they all use the same characters right and you're like oh sure. wait a minute that's kind of interesting so so you kind of get into this idea of like is that like, what do you want? Do you want like, hey, everyone can read the same characters, but when we talk, we may say them differently? Or do you want to enforce some level of phonetic 
kind of pronunciation. So I don't know. I mean, just I completely don't know any other foreign languages, never given it any thought. And that's like, oh, that would be interesting to like know a symbol-based language where it isn't, you're not really dictating how things are pronounced. Like an A doesn't have a sound. A symbol doesn't have a sound. So I don't know. It's huh. surprising. It's just like, you know, you dig into these things. Like you said, you never think about it. And you're like, oh, wow, that may have some effect on me. Yeah, there's, pro- there's probably at least one professor who's the sad es- Esperanto like uh, proponent mm-hmm. who's just still out there fighting the good fight. Wasn't we there like, is it Dvorak? Is what's the keyboard? The other keyboard? Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that still like, I don't know. Is that still popular with like kind of the Uber? Yeah. Among our listeners. I think so. Right. Like I think our <laughs> user base, there's some Dvorak people who are like, no, this is definitely the better way to go. And I'm like, well, maybe. You say yeah. so. I'll be able to hear my wooby. I, I don't know. I don't know if Charles Lowell still uses Dvorak, but he was a Dvorak person for a long, long time, which which is great. It's you like know. Emacs. I don't think you can give it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have I have a pretty brief, simple recommendation in two parts, and that is hot dogs. Oh. To to tonight, uh, you know, over here, I I know I'm sure you can get this in America, but over here it's very popular to get your hot dogs in a can. And uh, Kim got a uh, now hold hold on hold on <laughs> sorry <laughs> doesn't sound I, I good not a good start and and not... Kim Kim got I'll have to see if I can take a picture of it I don't think we've thrown it away yet also a big mystery in the Netherlands I don't think they recycle metal right like I have I... never found anywhere that you take metal to I don't know if they've got gigantic magnets on some conveyor belts of trash that they just suck the magnet out of it they recycle like every single thing else metal can recycling. Not available. Don't know where it is. So if any if any listeners know where we you know what the deal with that is, that'd be good to hear. Anyways, Kim got a can of hot dogs that are called American hot dogs. And they've got a nice seventies decoration with like foggy bottoms stuff at the bottom, you know, like the the red and white. And uh they were fine. Now, her reasoning is there's not much of a difference between canned hot dogs and hot dogs in those plastic wrappers sitting in their own juice. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. The next it feels step, different. Right? Yeah. I, they it they taste different. kind of the same. I mean, mm. nothing can compete like good old Hill Country Fair hot dogs that you're going to eat or whatever. But anyways, so your American style hot dogs, those are good. But we were in uh, Denmark for a couple weeks on vacation. Nice place to go uh, to some beaches in the summer. And uh, they have these red hot dogs uh, that are red and very long and and they do that thing with the hot the way they serve hot dogs is they've got a uh, you can you can you all can see this but they have a tiny piece of bread they almost have this piece of bread that's more like a, a little handle uh that you put on the, the hot dog but yeah my kids must have eaten like 20 a piece of these red hot dogs and it's the kind of thing like the kid looks at it and, and i don't know how adventurous your kids are um well i was gonna say with food but you know with life um and you know a kid looks at a red hot dog and they're like i'm not eating that I don't know what that is. And you're like, you just got to try it. And then both of my kids, they try it and they're like, these are amazing. Um, my my and, kids are still talking about a hot dog they ate five years ago. This is what I'm York. saying. <laughs> hot dogs. Look yes. into them. And well, uh, I tried to serve a hot dog with cucumbers on it. And Kim swears that this is not normal and odd. But I have received many hot dogs, including at the Amsterdam Zoo, with not only cucumbers, but lettuce on the mm, hot dogs. So I I, I, I've seen these things. Yeah. Oh. So, um, a shout out to hot dogs, uh, veggie dogs. The I went to IKEA a couple months ago, um, and they had veggie dogs, ninety nine cents. And I was like, how bad could it be? It was amazing. Uh, they put like uh, purple onions on it, the, the, like purple pickled onions, and yeah. uh, some sort of like um, relish on it, and this like weird Dijon mustard. It was this weird, like, Turkish-German thing, but it was so good, and then I immediately got another one. So, yeah. Ikea hot dogs. I'm throwing that into your 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 picks. Oh, I need to go check that out. That reminds <laughs> me of one last thing. This is not a recommendation, but something that I heard. Some other people spent five weeks in uh, France camping, and they said that they swung by Paris to stop at the Costco in Paris. And I was like, huh? There was, like, a, almost a record scratch. <laughs> and I didn't realize that there was a Costco of all places in France. And he told me all about it. Sounds like the Australian experience where you walk in there and his words, I'm quoting him. He was like, he was like, it's like a little America. And the first thing that he mentioned is he said, they have USDA prime steak. And, and I was like, they must fly that in. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. But he's like, and he said, I just given up on this European meat. 
it's just like not uh and this guy's from idaho uh and and like you know so there's hope yet it's a, i think it's about a six hour drive <laughs> i might need to uh, rent a car some weekend and just like i'm gonna go buy a, a freezer and then just like a shit ton of meat that tastes good and uh you know he said the <laughs> pizza was, Paris for meat. He, say, he said the pizza was not cooked well enough so it was just a little too gooey but uh overall it was it was pretty good. And you know, he said they had the fifteen hundred euro bottles of champagne if you're into that uh type of thing. Maybe you can buy like uh a box of fifty tennis balls. And uh they've got those good pins there, but they always come in multiple colors. I just want blue. Um but anyhow. With that, uh, you know, if anyone is around uh, Paris, you can go down to uh, Costco, take some pictures, do a little reporting for us. That'd be good to hear. And uh, you know, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to uh, see the show notes, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 252. Now, as we sort of mentioned, we have a, a Twitch channel thing going on. It's just SDT Podcast. I guess that's how you look it up in a Twitch, right? Is there a QR code that you scan or something? I'm not sure. Uh, or it should work. You should play. be able to uh, search Software Defined Talk and also find it. Yeah, there's probably not that many people sitting on that name uh, in there. <laughs> Somehow uh, still so available after it. all these years. Yeah, and you should join our Slack channel, all sorts of good uh, talking there. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Matt, anything to say to the streamers before before you say goodbye? I'm not trying to laugh. Don't eat nacho cheese.